God. I just, I don't want to interrupt what God is doing. Uh, I want to just move on and let's flow into the word of God and let God continue to finish what he's already started. Amen. Hallelujah. I fear by your heads and with me in prayer. Father God, uh, as your humble vessel, Father God, I just come to you, Lord, and just surrender to you. And Father, my prayer is that we all just surrender to and submit to your holy word. That we submit to what the Spirit of the Living God is is speaking in our hearts and 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 dealing with us on, Lord God, uh, in a way, Father God, that would cause us to conform to the image of Christ Jesus. That will cause us to conform according to Your Word. That will cause us to conform to a kingdom mentality and not be conformed to the ways of the world. So, Father, we just pray Your grace be upon us. Uh, we pray, Father God, that you would give us understanding, Father God, and convict us in a way that leads to repentance where necessary, Father God, that we might become more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I've got about five pages, single-spaced. <laughs> That's between you and God, brother. <laughs> Amen. Um, I want to talk, I guess if I chose the title uh, for today's message, it's just a single word, reflection. Reflection. Now, that word has many definitions. Uh, but the definitions that are more appropriate to what I'm going to be preaching on this morning, uh, I've got from the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. One is the production of an image by or as if by a mirror. Another definition, something produced by reflecting as an image given back by a reflecting surface. Now, We've got quite a few families at New Covenant Fellowship, right? And each family has a set of physical and behavioral traits that identify them as part of that family, right? I mean, you know a Tovar child when you see one. You know a Cloxton. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm not there yet. You know a Clarkson child when you see one. A Han. Where's the Han family? You know a Han child when you see one. A Munoz child. An Ellis child. It goes on and on and on. Yes, a Cannon child as well. If you know the parents, what they look like, what they are about, then it's often like seeing a mirror image of them when you see their kids. Right? I got one true. Now, <laughs> that's two truths. Now, honestly, it may be a younger, thinner image, but it is, especially in my case, but it still, <laughs> but it still is that image, right? You know what's also true? When the children are really young, 
the mirror image is mostly physical, the physical traits. But as their personalities begin to develop, and they begin to mature over time, the image becomes more intricate, more detailed, more refined. They begin to reflect their parents' values, their, their character traits, some of their mannerisms, for good or bad. Right? Am, am I speaking? Is, is everybody with me? And that doesn't just happen, does it? Or does it? Does it just happen? Man, do we have any parents in here? I'm not trying to set you up. I promise. It doesn't just happen. Isn't there a lot of intentionality involved? A lot of teaching. A lot of modeling. Coaching. Training. Discipline, 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 mercy, grace, <laughs> discipline, <laughs> repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation, encouragement, love. It's over and over. All those things. It's, you're working at this thing for a long time, aren't you? What? I'm not, I wish I could hear so I can play off of some of these comments. It, it doesn't just happen. There's intentionality involved. And, and I'll say something else, too. You know, as parents, uh, it always impresses, you know, it always gives, has an impression on me and it encourages me when people say positive things about my kids. Because sometimes I, I, I'm looking at them based on what we're still working on. All right? <laughs> I'm looking at them based on, hey, I've been dealing with these things for 10 years, you know, in some cases. You know, it's amazing. The victories don't always seem to linger as much as what we're still working on. All right? So, you know, and sometimes a little... A little jealousy involved there a little bit. Because they can work for the church and everything. And people say, man, your, your children are great workers, man. You don't have to ask them to do anything. Why don't they do that at home? <laughs> Bethany's laughing, but she knows I'm telling the truth. Maybe my darling wife wouldn't have so many gray hairs if they did this at home. She can't do like me and just shave it off. But all those wonderful things that I just listed out play important roles in that process, you know, that image-building process, that reflection of you process. You know what else the child's attitude does? How a child receives instruction and what that child does with the instruction he receives is probably the most pivotal part of the process. And that's where I segue into the same is true concerning our relationship with Christ. Because with Christ, we are that child. Right? You know? And, and, and our maturity from babes in Christ to maturity in Christ, that process, it takes all of those things, doesn't it? 
You know, uh, 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 teaching, it takes intentionality. There's this teaching. There's a lot of modeling. There's coaching. There's training. There's discipline, mercy, grace, repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation, encouragement, love. You see all those things in the Word of God. You know, and, you know, you look at it in those simplistic terms, you begin to see why God says, hey, let the older ladies be a factor in in, in helping the younger ladies develop into mature women of God. Let the older men help the younger men become who they are to be in Christ, to mature in Christ. There, There needs to be other people that can model for you. that can set an example for you, that can answer questions for you, that can pull you along, that can encourage you and and, and wipe the dust off of you when you've fallen. Amen? You know, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, there's so much similarity with our natural growth process, between our natural growth process and our spiritual growth process. And spiritually, we want to short-circuit that and just be mature. But man, God, it doesn't just give it to you. There is a process that has to play out. There is a process that has to be adhered to and stuck to. There has to be perseverance and discipline and commitment to that process all the way through to Christ is conformed in you. Amen? It requires nothing less than what we apply to raising up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And like I said earlier, that the child's attitude in that process is a pivotal part of the process. How the child receives instruction, what the child does with that instruction is going to have a heavy impact on what kind of image that child projects. Amen? What kind of man or woman that child becomes. It's not doom or gloom. It's just it may take some a little longer to get where they need to go. Partly, partly because of their attitude during the process, right? Same is true here for us as the children of God. You know, I don't, I don't think it's as much about where you are. All of us are at different places in our Christian walk and so forth, but about what direction you're going, what you're committed to. You know, you may be at phase one. I may be at phase two, but are you headed toward phase two? Am I headed towards phase three? If I'm at phase two and I've been stuck there 15 years, I may be a phase higher than you, but there's a problem. Because I should have been on the phase four or whatever. I don't know how many phases. I'm just using an analogy. I'm just saying there should be continual growth. There should be a continual progression in the process. And not only is the discipler's role important, but the disciplee role is important. How you receive instruction. I'm going to make my way to James chapter 1. And some of the men in the NFL may remember We had a great discussion on this. Uh, I'm not going there yet, but if you want to be prepared, you can go ahead and head to James chapter 1 as I slowly matriculate there. 
You know, I believe Peter is a good example. I think he's a good example of both what not to do and what to do. Now, let me, let me contrast the different Peters for you. Peter's love and passion for the Lord was without question, both when he was a disciple and an apostle. But for much of Peter's spiritual walk, especially pre-apostle, the man in his spiritual mirror wasn't always Christ. You know, it wasn't always Christ. He got, it got him in trouble sometimes. Remember when Jesus said, hey, I'm going here, going to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. They're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise up for three days. In, in three days. Here is Peter. Love the Lord. Oh, stop talking crazy, Lord. Not so. He rebukes the Lord for his negativity. He rebukes the Lord for the, the Lord is speaking the truth. The Lord is trying to explain to him what's about to happen. This is as it is written. And Peter's like, no. Shut your mouth. And he was so out of place. Jesus rebuked him in a way he rebuked nobody else. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's a whole other little uh, uh, sermon right there. But Jesus, Jesus rebuked him. Same Peter, after assuring the Lord that, Lord, these others may, may abandon you. They may run off and leave you and abandon you. But me, I'll stand there with you to the death. Y'all remember him saying that? Distinguishing himself from his other disciple brothers. Hey, these punks over here might leave you, but I'm the real deal. What, what, what ended up happening when people started looking at us? Wait a minute. They had Jesus is getting ready to, to crucify him. and said, wait a minute. You, you're one of those guys, aren't you? You, you, you kind of look like one of his followers. You act like him. I see his image all over you. They saw the image of Christ, the image of the one that he followed, in the way that he carried himself, in the way that he spoke. Christ was all over his life. Even unsaved people could recognize he was like him. You follow him. I can see it. I see you. Anybody who saw the movie Avatar, just remember that line. I see you. You would think he'd feel good about that. Say, man, my life is reflecting Christ, my Lord, my Master, my Savior. But he was ashamed of that image at that time. He, he was fearful of what that meant. If they identified him with Christ, it could mean he could end up like Christ. And in that moment, brave, bold, courageous, I'll never leave you. These other fools might, but I'll never leave you. Peter did what the Lord said he was going to do, deny him. Now, I'm a fan of Peter, you know, because Peter, I can look at Peter and realize it's still hope for me. I'm not dogging Peter. I'm not dogging Peter. I see a lot of me uh, in Peter. 
But after Christ suffered and died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and Peter got a word from the Lord, a word of encouragement, feed my sheep, do you love me, feed my sheep. You know, he prophesied to him, hey, brother, (laughs) you know, hate to be the bearer of bad news, you know, but, uh, you know, you're going to be martyred for the cause. Something happened in Peter. He went from that time when he denied the Lord. I mean, he didn't just deny him. They just, it was like a blitz. They kept, they, they kept pointing him out. You're one of them. You're one of them. It got to the point to where he started cussing. No, well, I don't know the bleepity bleep bleep guy. I'm not one of those bleeping people. Leave me alone. That's pretty serious right there. But he went from that guy after the resurrection, after Jesus conquered the cross, after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And after it all came full circle, he, he, he began to understand what it was all about, what Christ was telling him all the time, uh, what, what, what Christ's sacrifice on that cross really meant. Who he really was. What he was really called to do. That same man that denied him was the same man saying we can't help but speak the things that we've seen and heard. You know, that same man, same love, same passion for the Lord, but a little bit more mature man. A man that when he denied the Lord, was a little bit more worried, a little bit more concerned for, i tell you what, instead of being concerned about whether or not he was projecting the image of the Lord, he was concerned about what, what projecting that image might, might, might do to him. You know, what, he was afraid of what harm might come to him if they knew that he was one of them. I'm chopping that up, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. Everybody understand? I hope so. I'm almost there myself. He was more concerned with the harm that could befall him than he was being a reflection of the image of his Savior in that moment of his failure. But he sure got over that, didn't he? When the leaders threatened him, don't preach in that name anymore. If you do, we're going to make you pay. He said, man, I can't help. Whether it's right in your eyes, you be the judge of that. But as for me, I can't help. I can't help but preach what I know. I can't help but represent the one who died for me and rose again. I can't help but preach the truth. Now, if you want to hurt me or kill me for it, that's your deal. But don't think for a second that I'm going to cease and desist. Amen? Now, if Peter can go from denying to that, praise God, there's no reason why any of us can't go from there to that. Amen? Now, one of the differences that I saw in that, since I'm teaching or preaching on uh, reflection, is that 
even though outsiders, when Peter denied the Lord, even though outsiders could see the image of Christ in his life, it appeared that Peter had trouble seeing that image. I think we have trouble with that sometimes as well. Because we're not looking at it from the proper perspective. What changed Peter's outlook? I I believe after Christ's resurrection, I believe after Christ cleared some things up for him, he began to look into that perfect law of liberty and he began to see Christ all over it. The picture of Christ began to become visibly clear to him. Amen? He began so much so that he began to be more concerned that his life reflected the image of Christ instead of fearing what might happen to him if he made a stand in the Lord. And that brings me, we get time is growing short, James chapter 1. And I'm going to read quite a few, about 10 verses here. And then we'll move on and I'll, and I'll close. Listen to this because I really believe God is challenging us, the body, in this way. I was humbled and amazed at the response of the, of the men in NFL when we covered this passage here and, and, and the revelation that God just brought out of each man as, as we had that discussion, a heartfelt discussion in the Lord. Um, I'll start at uh, verse 17, James 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that he might, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I find it interesting in verse 18, he says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. We were brought forth by the word of truth. Doesn't it make sense that that word be our standard, that that word be the mirror that we're looking at when we're gauging our lives, that the standard that we're gauging our lives to? Amen. He said, after saying that, he said, so then. All right, so he's connecting those two dots. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, as children of God, God wants us to learn to keep our mouths shut. Be contemplative. Slow down. Don't rush into arguments and fights and disputes. Give the Spirit of God time to minister to you and give you insight before you open your mouth. Amen? 
the first reaction that we want to give is probably not, it's probably not God. There is example after example after example in the Bible where people just went off half cocked without asking God first and calamity resulted. And there are some times that after learning from that mistake, they went to the Lord when they should have went to him in the first place. God gave them what to do. They did it, and praise God, everything worked out. But he tells you why. A link, verses 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath for or because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There need be no further explanation as to why we should be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. And he goes on, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So we're active participants in this process. All right. We're the children of God here. Right. All right. So our father, our discipler is giving us the playbook. Right. All right, now it's up to us how we're going to receive that instruction and what we're going to do with that instruction, right? All right, so we all want to be like Christ, right? All right, so this verse gives you a key to making that happen. Notice, of course, we see lay aside, lay aside all that filthiness, lay aside all the overflow of wickedness. And here's the thing that struck out with me, and re- not struck out with me, but stuck out to me. And receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What is that speaking to? It's speaking to the attitude. When the word is spoken, how do you regard that word? When it's spoken, how do you receive that word? What is the attitude that you have when the word is going forth? Is it the assumption that I'm already good there? Praise God, brother. Tell these folks. Is it a heart of stone that, hey, man, you know, I I hear you. It sounds good. I'll amen it, but I don't know if that's for me. Is it, or could it be that, you know, man, I know that's what I should be doing, but, man, I got all this stuff going on. I, I, I just don't think I can do it. What does the word say here? Receive with meekness. Receive with humility. You know what? Instead of just giving in and saying, I don't know how I can make that happen in my life. You know what? Say, Lord, I don't know. Instead of that being a period, let it be a comma. Lord, I don't know how it's going to work in my life. I don't know how you're going to do it. But, 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 Lord, here am I. I submit to this word. I receive this word as the truth, and, and, and I am going to do all that I can to make sure that this is engrafted in my heart, that it becomes a part of my life. Father, give me the grace to make that happen. But we put a period oftentimes when we need to put a comma. 
and finish out that clause in a way that acknowledges God in the situation. Amen? Hope I'm not putting you to sleep. And he goes on and says, Now, when I receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul, the scripture that came to mind was work out your soul's salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> you link these two together. You receive the word of God with meekness. It's what's able to save your soul. I'm not talking about, you know, after you give your heart to Jesus, then you need to be saved again. No, you're saved. The cross, the work on the cross was complete. You're saved. You're going to heaven. But in the soul realm, your mind, those, your, 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 the, the, the way you think, your, your emotions, those areas where you're hurt, pain, hard-headed, that need to be broken and conformed to Christ, the Word of God needs to be received and implemented in your life. For if anyone, verse 23, no, verse 22, be a doer of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Imagine that. Looking in the mirror. Now, if that happened to us, we look in the mirror, getting ready for work. We're looking in the mirror. We behold our image. Turn away. As soon as we turn away, we forget what we look like. We'd be going to see a doctor about that. There, there, there'd be a problem somewhere, right? Something is not right. Something needs to be corrected, right? Now, he's equating that and saying, look, if you Look at the word, you see the word, the truth of God's word, and you are not committed to doing that word. This analogy is like, applies to that. This is the same as if you're looking in the mirror at your own image and forgetting what you look like. What kind of man you are, in other words, what it says. What kind of man you're like. That tells me God fully expects and he's fully enabled us to do everything in his word that he's commanded us to do. That's the inspiration behind the title, Reflection. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He forgets the kind of man I'll put it this way. He forgets what kind of man he's supposed to be aspiring to be. Christ is reflecting. The image of Christ is being reflected at us through God's word. When you're looking at God's word, you're looking at the face of Christ. You're seeing the very image of Christ, our Lord, our Savior. It even says that going on. Uh, Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. 
My admonition to you is this. Remember your reflection. Christ is the word of God made flesh. God's word is the very reflection of the image of Christ. To see God's word is to see the face of Christ. So as Christians, when we look into the perfect law of liberty, we must understand those two things, that we are beholding the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and two, that our lives are expected to match that same image. But what if my life doesn't match, Cornell? What if my life gives a distorted reflection of the image of Christ? I'm glad you asked that question. You know, I'll just say these simple words. You must be conformed. I know that's, was religiosity the time, what was the term you used earlier? I know that sounds like a lot of religiosity. When I hear the word conform, conform, you must be an active participant. Develop an attitude of conformity toward Jesus Christ. It's God's will. Romans 8 verse 29 says that God's will is that we be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's God's will. Amen. Conformed. I got a definition of conform here. To be similar, you know, what does conform mean? To be similar or identical. To be in agreement or harmony. Second definition, to be obedient or compliant. So you apply that definition to that scripture in Romans 8, 29, that we should be conformed into the image of Christ, that we should be similar, identical, in agreement, in harmony. Does that mean that we're going to exhibit Christ in everything that we do? Come on. I hope you don't think that. But just because we're not there yet doesn't mean that we shouldn't be striving for perfection. Amen? Just because I'm not there yet doesn't mean I'm not going to get there. Just because I'm not where you're at doesn't mean that you should put me down. What you should do is help me come up to where you're at. We're all in this thing together, right? Amen. So the three, uh, I guess, practical takeaways uh, from, the, from the message today comes right out of James. What do we need to do to do our part? in becoming conformed to the image of Christ. 
verse 21 says that we should lay aside. So one is lay aside. You can finish the verse there on your own, but lay aside. Lay aside the filthiness. Don't, don't, don't make excuses for it. Don't just have an attitude that this is just me. This is my part of my cross to bear. This is just part of my thorn in the flesh and so forth and so on. We have been made free from the curse of the law. We are no longer sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Amen. So, so, so let's not think like a slave anymore. Let's think like the free men and women of God that we are. Amen. So we have choices. If we couldn't lay it aside, he wouldn't command us to lay it aside. Amen. Makes a lot of sense to me. Lay aside the filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. That's one. Lay aside. Two, receive with meekness. You know, I'm sure all of us, we know a lot of scripture. We have our pet scriptures that we just, they're just our favorite. We just love them so much. It just means so much to us. But I want to challenge you to, I want to challenge you to get into the habit of, I'm going to receive God's word with me. I don't care what it is. I don't care whether these scriptures are ones I'm familiar with, whether these are my favorite ones, whether I hate those. If it's God's word, I'm going to receive it with meekness. I'm going to receive it with the intent of keeping it. I'm going to receive it with the intent of applying it in my life. If my life is not in line with that, it is my job to align myself with it by the grace of God. Amen? Receiving it with humility, with, with meekness. Father God, <laughs> ooh, I just learned something about myself today. I, I'm not where I need to be in that area. Uh, the, the man or woman of God shared something very powerful and ministered to my heart, and I'm not there. And I can't just let this go. I can't just dismiss this. This is the word of God. These are the words of life. I want to get like David and hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. I want people to look at my life. Look at the way I conduct myself. And, and, and as they observe it, what they're really seeing is the, is the, pure, the pristine image, the face of Christ that will draw them to the cross. Amen. I want to die daily. I want less and less of me that you might be more and more manifested in my life. You know, that, that is the attitude that we need to hear God's word in. That's receiving it with meekness. And uh, I, I, because of the time, I'm not going to go there. But I would encourage you uh, to pair this up with the parables of the seed and the sower. Um, uh the, it's in um, Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Uh, I chose Mark uh, ver- chapters 4, verses uh, 14 through 20, and Luke chapter 8, verses 11 through 18, if you are uh, taking notes. Because I believe, as I was studying this, uh, I'm going to take the liberty of a couple more minutes. But as I was meditating on that, receive with meekness. 
the word of God that is able to save your souls. I looked at the parable of the seed and the sower. And you know what? The one, the hearts that are on good soil, that's a reflection of those that receive the word with meekness. Those that receive the word with meekness, they, they, they grab a hold of it. They keep it. They, they make sure it's planted deep in their hearts. And when they do that, out of their lives, you know, you, you begin to see the blessings of God. You begin to see uh, 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 the fruit of God, 30, 60, 100 fold. They received it with meekness, not, not with a stony heart. Uh, they didn't let the cares of this world and all the deceitfulness of riches and all that stuff choke the word. They, they didn't lose sight, lose focus. They didn't grab a hold to excuses or crutches. They decided that this is the word of God, and that's what I'm going to stand on. There are obstacles. There are uh, hurdles. There are, there's opposition, but I refuse to let it stop me. From being conformed to the image of my Savior. Amen? And, and lastly, I don't know if, well, I didn't give the scripture reference to the uh, meekness, but uh, that was the same verse 21, received with meekness. Lastly, verse 25. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. And continues in it. That's the King James Version. Uh, there is a version uh, that I like. It actually says, he who looks intently. Is that the NIV version? Anybody have NIV? He who looks intently into the perfect law of liberty. You know, intently. With intentionality. Remember that word I talked about earlier in the, in the message? With intentionality. With the intent. You're in the word of God. Is there an intent there? Are we just reading it to get our scripture reading in for the day, or are we reading it with meekness? So one, lay aside. Two, receive with meekness. Three, look intently into. So God wanted to encourage you with today. You know, you know, I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. And if there's any among you here today and I don't want you to be ashamed of it, uh, I don't want you to be worried about time. You know, we're going to try and be as sensitive to that as possible. I, I, I promise you. But when you when it comes to the things of God, what needs to be done needs to be done. Amen. Now, I don't know how many people this spoke to. I don't know where you are. In your in your walk with the Lord. I don't know what you need to lay aside. I don't know if you need to, if you haven't been receiving the word of God with meekness. I don't know if you haven't been looking into God's word with intentionality. But I do know that right now, 
I, I feel led to give you that opportunity. Uh, everybody please stand.